This is the Action Network Podcast. And it is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your week two betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my dude, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Stuck, what's going on? How was your week one? Uh, week one was uh, fairly middling. I pushed money around. I mean, I, I had a lot of great calls, beat, beat every line on the close, which was good. Had a couple blowout wins, the Cardinals, the Saints, just never in doubt. Unfortunately, I had the Ravens under 51. I played my one player prop of the year with uh, Michael Gallup over, and he got oh, hurt. Bad beat. Um, yeah, he was going to go over that. Here's what I always tell people. like, It's football. Like You're going to have – I was happy with how I capped the card. You're going to have bad beats go against you. You cannot dwell on them. The good thing about football is you – especially with the NFL, you have like three or four days to just forget about it. You don't have to come back that very next day and, and fire like you know some other sports. You have to move on. You have to accept that they're going to happen. You have to accept that you're going to have two and seven day weeks. You have to accept that you're going to have seven and two weeks. Doesn't mean that you're the greatest better of all time. Embrace the variance. Yell about it a little bit on Twitter, vent, and then move on. It's part of the game. It's going to happen. Now we're moving on to weeks two and three, which are two of my favorite in the entire regular season. And I would say to your point about, you know, you can kind of forget about it for a few days, but don't forget about those early lines that come out on like Sunday, because a lot of times there is value there. So don't, don't uh, always check those lines out. If you have the Action Network app, uh, you'll be able to see all those. If you follow Stucky at Stucky2 or, or me at Chris Raybon, you'll be able to uh, follow our bets uh, in particular. Um, so, and that actually brings me to, um, before we get into this, if you plan to bet on any sport and still haven't downloaded the free uh, award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? I mean, it's got betting tools. It lets you shop for the best lines. It's got analysis for myself, Stucky, the whole Action Network team. And most importantly, it lets you track every bet that you make. And number two, the Action Network has expanded its podcast portfolio. If you're looking for best-in-class fantasy coverage, check out the Fantasy Flex podcast with myself and Sean Kerner and Samantha Praviti. And if you bet on college football, you're going to want to check out our Big Bets on Campus podcast. With my guy Stucky, Colin Wilson, Brett McMurphy, and our whole college football crew. All right, let's get right into week two because it's a it's a big week for betting, I think. Uh, so let's start it right off with Thursday night football. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. All right, week two, Thursday night, probably going to be an ugly one. Giants going to Washington to take on the football team, new name to be determined. The spread, Washington by three and a half at home. The total, 40 and a half. And this is exactly why I say, you know, get the Action Network app, uh, check those lines early, follow us, 
I actually bet this under when it was 43 and a half. Even when Ryan Fitzpatrick, like we knew he had an injury, books still hadn't really adjusted the line uh, as much as I thought they would. Uh, and then it started coming down, I guess, once we found out he was out for like, you know, the season. Uh, but Stuck, what are your thoughts overall on Giants at the football team? Yeah, that's a good snag. And 43 is a key number in the NFL these days. It's with the extra point move back, even more important. Look, these two teams played last year. The Giants actually swept Washington. Yep. They won 20 to 19 in a game where Washington went for two at the end of the game, much to the chagrin of anyone who had that over and didn't get it. The Giants won 20 to 19. And their other meeting in November, the Giants won 23 to 20. I think the Giants were up 23 to three at the half, and Washington came all the way back but the Giants held on for a win. Well, Giants didn't do much offensively. I don't expect them to do much offensively. We talked about this going into last week. You know, even their own players expect a slow start, right? So, and, and we saw that against an excellent defense in Denver, but the offense didn't look very good. This is a, the exact team that Washington's defense can dominate. Now, I, I unfortunately, one of, my, one of the other games I had last week was the Washington, uh, that didn't hit was the Washington Chargers over, which I mean, the Chargers have like 500 yards of offense. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you were thrilled at the play where Justin Herbert threw the ball the and, the and they called it a fumble out of the end zone. I'm, that I'm was sure the, you were just thrilled at that. If that and I, had the, I had the Patriots fumble that wasn't a fumble. Good week for, for that. That just messed everything up because now it's like, how do we don't know in fantasy like what's going to happen with Damian Harris? Like Belichick is he has like two fumblers on the team. Is he going to activate to like that was that was just brutal from like everywhere. So yeah, I, I feel you on that. But you yeah, look, I, I, one of the things that I that I said before the season that actually came to fruition was this: Washington's defense is not as dominant as people thought. It's a really good defense, arguably the best defensive front in the entire NFL, but they benefited from a ridiculous. We went through all the quarterbacks they played and all the banged up offensive lines on that ridiculous schedule last year. And they got picked apart specifically on third down, but I don't think the giants are capable of doing that. We talked about the charters upgrading their offensive line. The giants haven't. And this is a game where Washington can really dominate from the defensive line. The giants offense is still just a mess. They're still not in sync. There's going to be some teams that improve a lot from week one to week two. There's going to be some teams where it takes a little bit longer due to, you know, COVID injuries, lack of continuity in camp. Well, this is a short week, so you only have a couple more days. And I didn't see anything to really get excited about. I only make, you know, with Fitzpatrick out, I only make, I make the line a little over three, between three and three and a half. I make the total like 41-ish. So a good grab on the 43 I say every year, I look for reasons not to play Thursday night football. The <laughs> games are usually sloppy and messy. So I'm right on with the market here from a side and total perspective. It wouldn't shock me if we see another game right in that ballpark of like 20 to 17. Uh, so I'll be a, a viewer. I might come in live, check out our props, the prop coverage that we'll have out, which should be money as always. But um, as of right now, this is a pregame pass for me. Yeah, I think for me, it's Giants or nothing if I was to bet this aside in this one. Um, but I'm going to probably stick with my total with like three three points in line value and just sit on that. And, you know, maybe I'll get in on some props, obviously. But uh, the, the reason I say Giants or nothing for me is you kind of mentioned how the Giants did play well against this team last year uh, with the, the same two coaching staffs. So, and that was the first year of 
both respective coaching staffs. Um, and, and now we're back right here again, right? Like we're back right here with Washington. Same deal. Good defense going against weak quarterback, but their own quarterback is not good either. Because now you're starting Tyler Heineke. Um, you know, the third, got- the third starting quarterback for Washington in the in the three games we're talking about. They had Alex Smith yeah. started one of the games. They had Kyle Allen start the other last year, and now that's our Heineke. Terrible luck for Washington for Fitz because I think he was going to substantially improve that team just because of how bad or substandard the quarterback situation was for them last year. But you know, it is interesting. You have some, you have a lot of trends that support kind of giants and the under, um, I think the values bet out of the, the total at this point, but uh, you know, week two divisional unders are 55 and 38, uh, 59% since uh, 2005, according to our action labs data, Danny Jones on the road is nine and four against the spread. He's four and 10 against the spread at home. It, it, it always seems to happen inevitably. It's like the giants play like shit at home. Uh, because they're just not that great. They have a shitty offensive line. Their quarterback's below average. And then they go on the road, and they get a little, you know, the, the, the other team gets a little overrated, and, and the Giants end up pulling it out. So wouldn't be surprised if the Giants won this game, like in an ugly one. Giants are nothing if I'm betting it. Uh, let's go to the Sunday six-pack for week two. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open. The Sunday six pack. All right, Stuck. Week one, we both went uh, two out of three on our six pack. I hit my total barely. Uh, yours, as you talked about, went under. So I'm up for three. Man, uh, there's a lot going on right as we recorded this. <laughs> so, um, and lines are moving. And so I'm going to go with my first pick with Minnesota plus three and a half at Arizona for the first pick of the Sunday six pack in week two. And that's because number one, I think this is a week two overreaction. Now this line was four and a half. Uh, it's still three and a half. I like it, you know, down to here. I liked it a lot more at four and a half, obviously, but uh, as long as it's above three, I think you're still getting some value here. Minnesota. Listen, they came out a little bit flat in that, in that Cincy game, you know, or I shouldn't say came out flat. They kind of didn't play well in the second half and into overtime uh, more so. But Arizona got the luxury of, and you called it stuck, like facing this Titans team that was just a little discombobulated uh, heading into week one. I mean, guys were on a COVID list, guys weren't practicing. Taylor Lewan came out and straight up said he was ass. And like, he was like, thank you, Chandler Jones, for exposing me. Uh, I'll t- we'll talk about that game in a bit. But this is the time to back the teams that kind of disappointed. Well, for the most part, you know, there's obviously those exceptions, but and fade the teams that, kind of surprised and, and that the market is overreacting to uh, if you look at uh week two underdogs coming off a loss when it's a, a plus the spread is plus six or less so when it's still like a reasonable you know reasonably close game not some straight up blowout situation like maybe the bucks could be um so week two dogs off a loss plus six or less 57 and 33 uh 63 against the spread since 2005 according to our action labs data I also love backing Mike Zimmer in these spots um, because this Vikings team, it's always kind of mediocre, a little above average maybe. Um, But Mike Zimmer off a loss, 30 and 15 against the spread. So that's two out of every three since he took over as the head coach of Minnesota. And I get to bet against Cliff Kingsbury and on Mike Zimmer. 
Cliff Kingsbury. It's two teams that I think are reasonably evenly matched. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, given what we saw from Arizona with, with J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, I'll give them a little bit of an edge because I don't think we saw as much from that Viking D uh, as we wanted to see, you know, in week one. I think it'll come together as the season progresses. Dalvin Cook, I felt bad for him with that fumble uh, because I know he was playing with a heavy heart. You know, his pops died. Uh, suddenly at the end of last year he missed week 17 he was just 82 yards shy of, of 2000 uh he really wanted this win uh really wanted to start off on the right foot and and you know fumble had the key fumble uh late in that in that overtime so uh it's tough break for him but I, I think minnesota's capable of winning this game so uh i'm taking them plus three and a half for my first pick of the sunday six pack in week two yeah i completely agree if you didn't take them uh i would have and you know i backed cliff last week i was and Great call. I faded, I faded him this week with plus four and a half. Look, to kind of set the the stage for week two, I end up look I, I, early in the seasons when you want to make your largest adjustments as a handicapper because you're learning the most, but you don't want to overreact. And more often than not, the market does overreact to things that we see in week one. Just take a look at last year. You can do this every year. You know, the Colts lost to the Jags, right? The Colts made the playoffs. The Jags still haven't won a game since then. Uh, you know, the Bucks lost to the Saints. Bucks went on to win the Super Bowl. The Saints lost the next week as four-point favorites uh, by double digits in Vegas. You know, I, I, the Browns lost by 50 in Baltimore. The Browns ended up being okay. Like, it's, it's just one week, one data point. You don't want to overreact. Along those lines, you know, if you look at home underdogs in week two, off a loss since 2003, have gone 49, 38, and one against the spread. It's about 56.5%. Ooh. And not too shabby. It's against the close in a very efficient market. And, you know, if you look at some of these blowouts since 2003, teams that cover by more than 27 points, 43% in the regular season the following week. That's at any time. Week two, two 14 and one against the spread. We actually have it. So it only happened 17 times, but two 14 and one in week two. We actually have three instances of it this week. The Saints, you know, they, they covered by more than four touchdowns. The Cardinals, and the Eagles uh, against the 49ers. I think that really fits, applies there. The Saints and Cardinals, everyone said, wow. And if you look at this look-ahead line with the Vikings, I mean, this was under a field goal. Um, and now you're getting four and a half, three and a half. So I agree with you here. The Vikings do have some, some things to worry about on the offensive line. Rashad Hill was a mess. They really need Barrymore to come back and hope that he's so yeah. good, their first-round draft pick. Bradbury got pushed back. The, into, the Bengals really took advantage of the interior offensive line of the Vikings the defense struggled specifically in, in the secondary but I'm not as worried about Zimmer's defense I think Minnesota is a team that on the defensive side of the ball and in regards to penalties they had 13 flags in the first half nine accepted that's insane Zimmer's team is usually very disciplined it's usually the Kingsbury teams that aren't so I'm not too worried about that the defense had nine new starters from last year, nine. So, you know, expecting some growing pains, I think is not too alarming in the first game on the road. And hey, Patrick Peterson, I always say a corner that's been with a team for a while can provide some edge knowing that other teams, you know, tendencies and the, how the wide receivers operate and some of the play calling. So Patrick Peterson's kind of intel might help here. So I completely agree with you. I make this under a field goal. It's a great buy low. Sell high spot on the Cardinals who just looked flawless. I mean, defensively and offensively, which 
leads me into my first pick of the Sunday six pack and the second overall. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold plus oh, three and a half. Uh, I took plus four at BetMGM. It's plus three and a half right now. Still like it some there. Try and see if you can find a four. I don't know if it's going to get back there across the board because the Saints coaching staff, they have six offensive assistants who were tested positive for COVID. So that's going to hurt their preparation. But again, I already mentioned in the spot with the Saints, they covered by more than four touchdowns. Teams in that spot, specifically in week two, have been awful the next week. You know, the Panthers didn't look great uh, against the Jets, but I saw enough to feel confident in backing them here against the Saints team that still has issues. They It's one week. Again, I was on the Saints. I love the Saints last week. But what do we always talk about on here? If you're going to fade Jameis, you want to do so when he's a favorite. He's 18-10-1 against the spread as an underdog of more than a field goal. He's 7-14-1 against the spread as a favorite. I can see him making numerous mistakes here against Carolina's zone looks. And New Orleans, just, they, don't, they don't have the receivers that's going to hurt really hurt this Carolina secondary, which is suspect. And you have to look at the other side of the – I mean, you go look at the injury report for New Orleans. It's not pretty. Now you have Marshawn Lattimore out which is just huge because this is a brand new cornerback group. So I'm going to buy the Panthers here in a spot where I'm primarily selling the saints who I think just, it was just their day. I think they benefited from some humidity as well. And, and the track and just everything went their way. It happens, but I think this line should be closer to two. Um, the look ahead line was under a field goal. So I'm taking the Panthers plus three and a half on Sunday. I think they win outright, but don't worry. We'll have plenty of opportunities to fade good old Sammy Darnold down the stretch. And on top of that, the, the Saints have some COVID risk going on here because I think it's like six members of their coaching staff, plus a nutritionist, plus Michael Thomas, uh, yep. all came down with COVID. Now, I think Sean Payton and like the key, like the key guys escaped it. But it's still a risk that, you know, something sure. between now and Sunday, something could go wrong. Uh, so I like, I actually bet the under on this game as well, just because uh, I think, you know, Saints dealing with offensive issues. Carolina's defense, I think, is better than people think this year. Um, I think the front seven of Carolina is, is really good. And yeah, I, I mean, the Packers just got caught up in, in a, they just laid an egg, like as much as there's nothing else really to say. I mean, they laid like a bigger than Titan sized egg in that, in yeah. that game. Cause the Titans laid an egg and the Packers laid an egg. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I like that one uh, as well. Yeah. And think about, think about this as overreactions. Like some of these, you know, what, what happens in week one, like all, Aaron Rodgers doesn't all of a sudden stink. The Texans <laughs> offense isn't all of a sudden good. Don't overreact. Hey, shout out to the Texans though. And shout out to us. Cause they, uh, they helped us hit our week one money line underdog parlay Eagles, Texans. Boom. Yeah. Right off the bat. All right. For my second pick of the week two Sunday six pack and the third overall pick, I am going with the Tennessee Titans plus five and a half at the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we both kind of already gotten into this. The Titans were not prepared in week one. They were not, not enough practice time. 
things going wrong. Um, just, you know, heading into the season. It wasn't an ideal spot. They got blown out. So I'm buying the dip here, uh, buying the overreaction. Uh, and, and, and on the other side, we have the fact that the Seahawks played a, essentially a carbon copy of the Titans. The Seahawks played not in the, the team, but in the fact that the Colts, if there was one team that I think I, I think I said this on the podcast, like if there's one team that you expect not to come out prepared in week one, it was probably the Colts because they just dealt with so much COVID situations. Um, Carson Wentz barely practicing for a variety of reasons, whether it was COVID, whether it was the foot. Uh, so, you know, the Seahawks take advantage of that. They get a couple of big plays. Uh, they play well, um, but, you know, they, they, they win 28-16. You know, I'm not really looking at that. It's like, oh, the Seahawks got a thousand times better. I, I liked what I saw out of the Seahawks, you know, no doubt about it. But uh, I think this Titans team, they're still healthy enough. You know, Tara Juan didn't have a great first game, got just manhandled by Chandler Jones. Who I don't know who on the Seahawks is getting five sacks on on Taylor, on Taylor Lewan. So like this like the uh, the matchup here, I think it it kind of favors the Titans to get in one of these games where when you have Derrick Henry, you have AJ Brown, you have Julio on offense. Um, another week of practice. Uh, I think this is a little more of a toss up game than people think. Uh, the Titans are going to be able to score on Seattle. The Titans are going to you know Seattle's not going to just be able to. To, I think, you know, kind of coast the way they did against Indianapolis after getting up uh, in that one. I think the Titans this week will be a lot more prepared. They'll be trying to erase that early loss. And again, you have these week two dogs, you know, coming off that that loss in week one uh, when the when the number is six or less. And they're they're hitting 63 percent of the time uh, over the last 15 years. So uh, I like Tennessee. And I think even, you know, if you're really kind of looking to, to G-Gen it out, and get even more action on this game. I wouldn't mind Tennessee in the first half either. Uh, first half underdogs off a blowout uh, are 59% against the spread. So uh, not quite as good as, this, as the full game number, but you look at uh, teams that lost by more than 20 and that next week in the first half, they are hitting at a 59% rate against the spread. So like Tennessee for the game, don't think Seattle can kill them with the pass rush the way Arizona did think Tennessee's more prepared. I think Tennessee's hungry uh, coming off the loss. And this is still a Seattle team that wins most of their games by like a field goal, even if they do win. So you're getting five and a half here. And I think, you know, after what Tennessee did, the market's probably down on them. So maybe we even get a six at some point. Um, but for the purposes of the show, I'm taking it at five and a half Tennessee an underdog at Seattle in week two. I completely agree with the principle of the play buy low sell high spot. And look, I'm shocked. I'm saying this. I thought I was going to be on Tennessee, especially after what happened last week. And I love fading. I love fading. Seattle is more than, you know, four or five point on uh, favorite, but I just don't know. I need to see, I, I don't blindly play all the home dogs or the buy low sauce. There's some, there's some art matchups. It's not just, um, you know, here's the home dog, here's the situation, play it. And I don't know how long it's going to take for Tennessee to get up to speed. It could just this week of practice, boom, they get their timing down. The offensive line has been back. They got a full, they got a full, a full game in. Julio is going to be more in sync with the offense. Could be this week, but I'm going to play it cautiously and sit on the sidelines here. I'm not playing Seattle, who I was impressed with on offense under Shane Waldron. I was uh, Russell Wilson looked great, and but I do, do think they benefited from playing a Colts team that was dealing with a lot prior to the season 
And the Colts also went 0 for 3 on fourth downs. So, you know, that game could have been a lot closer than the final score. So I can't disagree with your logic or the reason for the play. Um, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this, you know, if that Tennessee offense gets back up to where we expect it to be, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the type of game that it's just the last team with the ball wins. Yeah. There's a, I mean, and you know, this is, you're also playing the card here, right? Like, I mean, we have to for the show. So, you know, looking at the, the card, you know, there's a couple of these, you know, big spreads that, I just don't want to touch either way, like Tampa Bay. So, you know, five and a half, you know, when you start looking at it, I mean, it's that's just a bigger, that's just a big number for a team that I think could easily win this game. You know, like Seattle's not, oh, like they're the same Seattle that has had one of the best quarterbacks in the league for almost a decade now, um, but they'll still kind of play these, these close games. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a card play, but uh, I do like it. Um, I am betting this for real. So um, yeah, Tennessee, five and a half. Yeah, and if uh, one note, like five isn't really a key number, and for the contest, it wouldn't matter if you had six or five and a half. Yeah. But as you mentioned, I would, if you're sitting on the sidelines hesitant here, maybe some, you know, late sharp money or late public money pushes this up. You're better off trying to wait for a six or who knows, a six and a half than, you know, having the opportunity to, you have to take five instead of five and a half. But for my second pick of the Sunday six pack and the, fourth overall i'm going with the team we just talked about the indianapolis colts plus four at home against the los angeles rams first of all i do want to say that the rams on offense really impressed me i mean look stafford first game running the show in this new offense he looked spectacular but let's not get too carried away with you know crowning the rams super bowl champions after you know a week one primetime home victory over andy dalton and the Bears, who we're both very low on this year, a team that has an atrocious offensive line and I think overrated defense. So as a result, I think that the Rams love has gotten, there's too much Rams love in the market after that win. People are just assuming the Colts are, are awful now. I mean, this line pre, this line in the preseason look ahead line was Colts minus one and a half. Now there's obviously injury concerns, COVID, where was Wentz. Last week, the look at line was Colts, nine, I mean, Rams minus two, minus two and a half. Now it's up to four. You've crossed a, a num, you know, a couple key numbers. So I had to grab the four here. The Colts last week, uh, look, they lost another opening, uh, season opener. You know, I mean, it's eight it's in a row. Nuts. Eight it's, in a row, third longest streak in NFL history. It's crazy. And Reich is, oh, is 0 and 4 now. And he's a, he's a good coach. Like they, they lost, they lost to teams that want to combine nine and 36 in his first three years that, that went on to go nine and three. And then they lost to Seattle. Who's not going to go not, you know, they're not going to be bad, but like, it's nuts how he couldn't like turn that around because he's a good coach. Yeah. And we, we mentioned, you know, the Jags lost last year. The Jags are <laughs> 0 and 16. They're 0 and 16 cents. And, but if you want to take an optimistic view, if you're a Colts fan out there, they've under Reich, they've won in week two each of the past three years. So they bounced back last year. I was all over them against the Vikings after they lost to the Jags at home. I'm, right. I'm back on them here. Look, I'm giving, you know, I, I I'm going to be hesitant and cautious with some teams like Tennessee. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to the Minnesota defense and to 
the Colts as a whole. Look, the defense, the secondary, Willis in particular at safety struggled. It's the first game. It's Russell Wilson and all of his weapons. Understandable. The offensive line was a little bit more concerning. You know, both tackles played awful. But I saw enough from Wentz that I don't think that he's going to be, you know, the worst quarterback in the NFL again. He looks much more comfortable in that system in his first game. He was fairly efficient. Wasn't just throwing the ball up in the air and turning it over. That's where he was last year. So I know it's not a, a big hurdle to, to clear. But I actually thought he looked pretty good. I expect the offensive line to be much better this week. It would help if Eric Fisher, who's has a chance to play, can come back and play left tackle for Davenport, who gave up two huge sacks. I mentioned the Colts were over three on fourth down. So they could have been, they could have made that game a lot more competitive. The defense also settled down in the second half. Some of that has to do with Seattle play calling, but I think that they did look a little better in the second half. And I ultimately trust this staff, uh, you know, to get it together after a week of practice. You talked about it there. They had offensive line injuries, COVID, Wentz is barely practicing. So I think this week of practice, after getting a game and they'll be much better here. I think that they can, their offensive line and their rushing attack will actually get going against the Rams. This Rams defense, you has some holes and having Jalen Ramsey this week, it's not like the Colts have a star receiver that you, you take out and you know, not like the bears. I and mean, that's, it matters for the bears. They have a really good receiver. You want to take out the Colts? Not really. So whoever he's guarding, I'm sure they're going to be locked down and not part of the, that play, but it's not a huge, uh, loss for the Colts. So I, I think that the Rams defense has some vulnerabilities that Chicago just wasn't able to exploit. Andy Dalton threw the ball down the field, past 15 yards, one time. The entire game, it was picked. It was at one time. So I still have some questions about this Rams defense outside of obviously uh, Donald and Ramsey. But this ultimately, this is just, I'm trusting the Colts staff. I'm trusting that they'll be better, especially on the offensive line this week. And uh, I'm buying low on the home pup here, catching four in a game that I make under a field goal in a good spot. I, I think I compare like your Titans are my Colts. Like the Colts are a team. This matchup yeah. is more of a wait and see for me because yeah, I have question marks about the Rams defense in terms of not so much the talent level. Um, and I love Raheem Morris, but I'm interested to see how they play this because it was clear that against Chicago, even though Andy Dalton, if you say who's the better player, David Montgomery at running back or Andy Dalton at quarterback, even though you would say Montgomery, I think at this stage, the Rams still just said, please run on us. They played two safety back, two safeties back the majority of the time, or it was a disguise. And David Ramsey wasn't even on Allen Robinson for most of that game. He was up at the line of scrimmage. So I do think Ramsey playing more at the line of scrimmage, getting tackles for loss, helps them in this matchup. But I'm also curious to say, do the, do the Rams just let the Colts run? Because I think if they do, that's, that's not going to turn out as well as it did against the Bears. Like, the Colts are a team that wants to run anyway. They'll be able to do more with that. You know, the Bears, they got a good game out of Montgomery and still put up, what, 14 points of offense. I think the Colts will be better than that. I think the Rams... They, they play well against Chicago, but they also know that defense because that's that Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley defense that you talked about. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Colts won this game, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they got blown out. I need to see another week at least of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz since 2018. So over the last three plus years, just 14 and 26 against the spread. Uh, it just ha- He just hasn't been effective. Um, 
All right, let's go to the fifth overall pick, my third. Pick of the Sunday six-pack, I'm taking the Eagles plus three and a half. Uh, try to get that hook. Uh, I, you know, uh, a lot of different spots still have it at three and a half, but I have seen some books move uh, to three. But this is probably the one, and you kind of alluded to it, the one spot where I'm not just going on the, or I'm not looking, I guess, to fade the week one noise. I think the market is still a little bit low uh, on Philly. The reason so much isn't Philly, who I, I thought would hand to Atlanta. Uh, it wasn't really a popular call outside of this podcast, uh, I don't think. But um, we both thought Philly would hand to Atlanta. I just thought they had an edge in the trenches. Uh, but here, you have – first of all, I think the total of this game is too high. So, you know, right there, that's going to – yeah, that's going to be more um, – that's going to be more value on the dog, lower scoring game. That's why I love the hook. But remember, this both of these teams – can get pressure. They don't have the blitz to do it. Philly finished number two in pressure rate. Both of these teams in week one, bottom four in blitz rate. I just think this is going to be a defensive struggle. Looking back at San Francisco's defense, even when it's clicking, what did they have? What do they have trouble with? They they have trouble with those mobile quarterbacks because they're not necessarily going to send pressure and get guys aren't going to be in the backfield. So if the quarterback, you know, drops back, nothing's there and pressure comes, he only, he has four, you know, it's still five on four plus the quarterback a lot of the time, you know, to beat that pressure. And Jalen Hurts could do that. San Francisco's not going for 11 and a half yards per attempt this week against Philly. I was really impressed with Philly's defense. And I think I remember you saying yeah, like and- word for word. Yeah. And like you said word for word, like Philly's defense is going to make the biggest week yeah. out of any defense this year. And that is looking even more like spot on after week one because Atlanta did nothing. I Matt mean, Ryan looked like nothing. a rookie. Like, yeah. And Arthur Smith looked like a rookie. That's even more impressive, I think, because, you know, Arthur Smith is pretty good coordinator. Will Atlanta play better this week? Maybe not, because I hate their matchup against Tampa Bay, too. I don't know if they play better. They might just be this bad. But regardless, Philly at home, catching three and a half, San Francisco going cross country, probably a low-scoring defensive battle, a quarterback who can – San Francisco can do everything right, have, have the right call on defense, and Philly can still beat it. This is just too many points for a Philly team that was dominant. Philly has offensive line that can protect. They have a defensive line that can get after it. Uh, so they're not really dis- – most teams are disadvantaged against San Francisco because San Francisco is going to beat you on the in the trenches, right? San Francisco has a good O-line, good D-line. Philly, that's not going to be an issue. So now you're just talking about Jimmy G versus Jalen Hurts, and you have one of them that can make better off-script plays than the other. So give me the uh, Eagles plus three and a half here. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that – and look, the the logic would say, oh wait, the the Eagles covered by twenty eight points or whatever, and you should fade them. But I, I you know, it's not science doesn't hit one hundred percent of the time. I, I disagree with you. I played the Eagles. I would have had the Eagles in again. All three of your picks, I would have had. Um, or like, I had is, six picks. Yeah. That of my potential, and then you took three of them, and then I took the three that were left, which is pretty crazy. So we're on the it, same. It, and, and you know what's crazy is the only one you kind of disagree with me with was me betting against Seattle. Like this is this is all yeah. backwards for the Action Network NFL podcast. Like this is yeah. this is gonna be a weird ass week. <laughs> yeah. Um trust me, we'll have a lot of disagreements throughout the year, but we're on the same page this this week. Yeah, I'd set I had I had six. One of them which I didn't pick, I'll I'll talk about later. And then yeah, your your three. Um I'm sorry, seven out of the seven. Whatever. We're basically on the same page this week, but um, yeah, I agree. I think that the Eagles defense is not being that that jump that 
they showed flashes and glimpses of it last week is not being accounted for properly in the market. I think they're going to make an enormous leap this year. On top of that, look, San Fran, they didn't escape that game without injury. And I don't think that's being properly adjusted. The Eagles are fairly healthy after week one. But, you know, you look at San Fran's corner situation now. Right. They're talking about bringing Richard Sherman back again. I don't think that's going to happen. But that's they have a, a number of guys that are that are banged up. And Philly is significantly healthier. Um, I agree. I think the total's too high. You also have, you know, two new defensive coordinators. So there's not a lot of tape on what they want to do. And um, I think that can work to their advantage, but I love what this Philly defense showed in week one. I think over the first, at least half the season, you're going to see this Philly defense time and time again, overperform expectations. I'm completely on board with you with Philadelphia. And I got to give you a shout out. Cause I think you said it on the, our win totals pod before the season with Kerner uh, for the NFC that like you were going high upside with Philly to win the division. Right now, like, I think Philly may, especially if they can pull this upset here, even yeah. if they don't, though, they might be in the driver's seat. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm feeling good about that one. I only made two division future bets. That one I feel good about after week one. The other, I don't, but it takes me to my third pick in the sixth overall of the Sunday six-pack, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ooh, Plus six at home against the Denver Broncos. Now, I'm going to get our producer to throw in some cringe sound. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Here are the quarterbacks I'm backing in the Sunday six-pack. This is so week two for me. Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, and now Trevor Lawrence. So speaking of Trevor Lawrence, he looked awful last week by any metric. If you look at any how he graded out, just the offense wasn't working. The defense was abysmal. I mean, he threw three picks against the worst, maybe arguably the worst defense in the NFL. But it's week one on the road in the divisional game for a rookie, a top overall draft pick. Do you want to know what top overall draft picks have done? And it's a reason, one of the reasons we were on the Texans to win that game. They're now, since 2003, they're now 0-7-1 straight up. Kyler Murray tied the Lions at home. 07 and one straight up and one in seven against the spread in week one. Top overall draft pick that year starts in week one. 07 and one straight up, one in seven against the spread. Stafford, Bradford, Newton, Luck, Winston, Kyler, Burrow, and now Trevor Lawrence. What have they done the following week? Well, they went six, they've they've combined to go six and one against the spread pending. Lawrence's results so obviously the market was hey look this kind of speaks to this whole week two reaction top overall pick this quarterback's going to be great you know shits to bed in week one and then they say oh this team's terrible usually it's a bad team so then you say oh well the quarterback's now terrible too they had the top overall pick for a reason and then they get sold so I think there's value here which is why this line is six this line this look at line was two and a half Two and a half. Now, I know Jacksonville looked awful. Denver, I loved. I love Denver. I will talk about my love for Denver all day, but this line should not be six. It might prove that, you know, in five to six weeks, it might look like we might look back and say, yeah, the line should have been six. But we don't know that yet, and this is uh, a massive over-adjustment. And I think Trevor Lawrence, you can expect him to settle down 
to look a little more comfortable in his second start. It's a guy that I was high on. I know that the Jags have issues, uh, you know, offensive tackle at defense, particularly in, in the secondary. But this is still you're catching six at home after that embarrassing performance. And don't sleep on the fact that the humidity is going to be one billion percent. Yeah, in Jacksonville on Sundays. And that's not something Denver's used to. Ask Green Bay how they handled it. So that, I think, is almost like an altitude edge for that Denver has at home. But that humidity, it looks like it's going to be one of the – like I mean, people from Jacksonville and North Florida know how bad that humidity can get. It looks like it's going to be a nasty game. That could work in Jacksonville's favor. Look, if this, this play does require – me to fade Teddy Bridgewater on the road, who's 22 and three against the spread on the road, 22 and three. All he does is, is cover ball games, but look, it's still a Denver team. That's defense first. And this total is low catching six at home. I have to do it. I, you know, it's ugly. I had to hold my nose to put the bet in, close my eyes, hit cement, but this, this is, you know, everything that I stand for is an NFL better. I mean, I'm, I project the line, you know, three and a half. And now I'm getting six. So give me a humid take, maybe. But hopefully the humidity works in our favor. And rookie quarterbacks who went number one overall in the NFL draft after going one and seven against the spread in week one can potentially improve to seven and one against the spread in week two. I'm back in the Jags, sadly. Do you know the straight up record by any chance for those for those quarterbacks? Uh, I think just, yeah, two and five. The only team that got blown out was Stafford and the Lions. That Lions team was, that 2009 Lions team was awful. I mean, this line is egregious though. Like I was kind of hoping you would take it because I didn't want to take it with my first pick. And I was just like, yo, this line is off. I have it at four. So I have two points of value and it's the majority of the money and bets are on the Broncos. So it's probably only going up. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to six and a half, seven. Uh, but I'm, I'm just putting Urban Meyer on like a wait and see. Like <laughs> I, just, I knew that's I mean, what would keep you yeah, off. Yeah. Like that's yeah, really right so far. It's not been going well. I mean, that was, yeah, that was one of my better calls. I think of the off season it was just like, yo, just Urban Meyer, just somebody to watch for. But like, I agree. This line is egregious. Um, and that's why I was kind of asking you about the straight up record, because I, if I do bet the Jags in this game and it would be a real nose hold, but I, I want more than like minus one ten. Like I want my, I want my money line straight. Like, you know what I mean? I want a reward for backing this fuckboy Urban Meyer. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, the, he, yeah. he had his team completely unprepared against. So, like, where does this, what does the strength of schedule say now? Like, like are the Jack, do the Jaguars go into the Texans slot and like the, and like all these teams strength of schedules? Cause I mean, that was bad. Like, that, there's no excuse. You can lose to a Texans team with a veteran quarterback who doesn't turn it over and has a veteran coaching staff in week one. But to get blown out by the Texans in week one, that was that was inexcusable. So that's yeah, that's the only thing that's kept me off the, the spread. So if I bet this, it's gonna be money line or nothing. That's just that's just where I'm going with this game. To your point about Teddy, because I'll so I'll give you the, the devil's advocate take. He's 22 and three against the spread on a road. He's only been favored on a road four times, never yeah. by more than three. Yep. This is a six-point spread. This line is egregious. I'm going to be watching this one closely. All right, that's, that, that does it for our Sunday six-pack. Uh, this should be an interesting one. Stuck has 
the Carolina Panthers plus three and a half, the Indianapolis Colts plus four, and the Jacksonville Jaguars plus six. Back in Darnold's, back in Wentz, back in Trevor, or and the humidity. Week two is <laughs> about back in the humidity, and yeah, a lot of times I, I end up with a lot of home dogs in week two, and a lot of uh, ugly quarterbacks this week. That's exactly the approach to take early in the year, and then. As we get more data, our numbers, our, our standard deviations are going to go down. Our deltas are going to be less. And, uh, you know, then we have to find different edges. But right now, um, there's still a lot of uncertainty. And uh, one data point, like you said, uh, for is, is week one. So uh, to recap for my picks in the week two Sunday, six-pack, Minnesota plus three and a half, Tennessee plus five and a half, Philadelphia plus three and a half. That is is going to wrap our week two Sunday six pack. Let's get in to our coaches pep talk. For today's coaches pep talk, our producer, Matt Mitchell, shouts to Matt, shouts to our guy, Dan Titus, uh, has grabbed a clip from our favorite film or our favorite film of the podcast. Uh, and I'm sure he'll sneak more of this shit into the podcast this season from Pete Bell from the 1994 film Blue Chips. Stuff, we got to dedicate this one to Urban Meyer again, two weeks of our 2021 action NFL podcast, two coaches pep talks, two dedications to Urban Meyer. Well, we got to do it to move to South, South, South Southern California and take over the USC job. He's, he's absolutely not doing that, says everyone now. But uh, yeah, welcome to the NFL, bro. I mean, like James Robinson, five carries. Like what? Like this dude was nasty last year. You give Carlos Hyde nine carries and James Robinson five. And you have your rookie quarterback throwing every down to start the game on a road. Like, come on, man. Urban, we're dedicating this pep talk to you, man. Urban Meyer. You keep playing the way you're playing, we're going to get our ass beat again tonight. And it stops right now. All right, let's get in to our favorite total of the week. Week number two. All right, Stuck, I had the first pick in a six-pack. Uh, take us away with your top total bet for this week. Uh, well, we've already I've already provided enough pain, and some of the quarterbacks are backing. So let's uh, let's make it even a more painful week and go back to the well with a Raiders under after we lost under fifty one in a game that was seventeen seven with nine minutes to go. But we're going back to we're going to the Raiders under and under forty seven at BetMGM. Uh, they're traveling to the Steelers. It's an awful spot for them. Um, look. They, they act like they won a Super Bowl twice. They won twice. They had two celebrations. And, you know, now they're on a short week <laughs> traveling across the country to play <laughs> Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin, predictable Mike Tomlin, showed he's the road, the road underdog goat once again. Let the greatest of all time look at your work. And, and the road under master. Like, yep, he got the, the under, under went to 43 and 15. And then, like, yeah, his, his road cover rate is still astronomical. Same. Yeah. Here we go, defense! But the Steelers still have issues. You know, if you look at that game, it was very interesting. I mean, they didn't. Bl- they only blitzed twice, and their their front, their defensive front. I mean, Mel- Melvin Ingram looked great. Obviously, you have Watt there, but their defensive front dominated the game. I mean, Dawkins, for supposed to be their star left tackle, looked awful for the Bills. Feliciano got worked for the Bills, and you know, Feliciano lost a lot of weight. Dawkins had COVID, and maybe he's not healthy and fit yet, but. The Steelers' defensive front dominated that game. They didn't have to blitz, and Buffalo couldn't do anything. But they're all, the Pittsburgh's offense could do anything. They were 50 yards at the half. Ben yeah. still just quick release. Average, he had the fastest, the quickest release of anyone in the NFL. 
they, you know, they're using more of like an H back and they're running it a little bit more, but um, I still don't buy this offense mainly because of the offensive line. And I actually, I've said this before. I think that the Raiders defense will be better this year. Um, you know, they added some pieces. Crosby looks great. Just from a schematics perspective, they'll be better. I think that they can get some pressure on Ben. And then most importantly, it's actually, and we'll get to the Ravens chiefs game. Two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL over the past two years against the Blitz have been Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes. And the Ravens went all out blitz all, all day. And it actually worked for a while against the Raiders. But Derek Carr, if you can just get natural pressure on him, that's how you shut down the Raiders' offense. Pittsburgh can do that. I think Pittsburgh's defensive line will control this game, similar to what they did against the Bills last week. And I think Vegas' defense is a tad bit underrated. It's still not a great unit but I think it's better schematically. They added some talent. It's unfortunate to lose Ngakwe, it appears, but um, this Pittsburgh offense is anemic. And, you know, you can't really trust Pittsburgh to come out here and blow them out in this spot. They normally are a little flat. And you can't really trust the Raiders to be, you know, ready for this on a short week after beating the Ravens on Monday night. So you could get off to a really flat start here. Give me the under and more pain. Yeah, I mean, every wide receiver Derek Carr talks up is, like, trash. He's like, oh, yeah, it's Zay Jones. Like, he's, like, he works harder than everyone. It's like, bro, y'all still don't really have – I thought of you when Zay Jones had that game-winning touchdown. Like, Jesus. Like, I agree. I think the Raiders' offensive line isn't as good. I I think that was – the points that they put up was kind of a a game script thing in terms of that fourth quarter just went crazy. Um, Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, For me, I'm going – to a game we actually talked about earlier with my total Philly, San Francisco under 50, like 50. I did a double take when I saw this line, I make it closer to 46. Uh, I think most of us do have it in that like 45 to 47 range uh, in our action network uh, pro projections here. I, I just think this is way too many points for two teams that uh, are good on defense that can blitz. They, both of them are bottom uh, four in blitz rate. Okay. So in, in week one, they, they blitz under 10% of the time. That means they're playing seven guys in coverage. Philly was number two in pressure rate. San Francisco was middle of the pack, but that's also because there's weird game script. We know San Francisco can get pressure without blitzing. So you're going to have two teams that are going to sit back, play coverage. San Francisco, the team that put up 41 points last week, you know, I think they were, you know, because they're the favorite, I think they're responsible for this line kind of going up a little bit. You know, Detroit comes back on them. That's a wonky game script. But San Francisco going across the country, I mentioned it earlier, they could absolutely come out a little flat here, especially against a team uh, whose big guys uh, are, are talented. And, you know, it's always easier for those big guys for home games. You know, it's tough to go on the road. Um, you know, you got to be on that flight and whatnot. So I, I think this is way too many points. And then you look at the results of how these teams play defense, getting pressure, playing coverage not blitzing San Francisco uh, allowed just a 3.3 a dot and, and Philadelphia was 4.5. Like, let's say I'm wrong about Philadelphia. Let's say San Francisco comes out uh, and plays well and Philly doesn't cover. I, I still think you get this total under because I think Phil, uh, San Francisco is going to have to work for their, their scores. I, I don't think they're just going to go up and down the field on this Philly defense. Uh, I don't think Philadelphia, for that matter, is going to go up and down the field on San Francisco. Uh, I just think Jalen Hurts has some potential to ruin some of their calls. There's, I, I see this game as more like a, you know, a 24 to 17, 23, 20 type game, not like a 
27, 24, you know, 30 to 24 type situation. So I, I'm all over this under. I think it's a few points too high. Like I, this is one of the, I think I'm off on this more than I've been off on a total um, in a while. So love the under 50. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I, again, this goes back to me thinking the, the Philly defense is underrated and not being properly accounted for. I don't think you see too many explosive plays yep. in this one. So yeah, I agree with you on the under. I'll be adding that as well. Stuck going Pittsburgh, Vegas, under 47. I'm going Philly, San Fran, under 50. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Now it's time for our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. All right. For you guys unfamiliar with teasers, it just means that you can combine two bets and you get an allotted number of extra points uh, to take down each spread. So a more favorable spread uh, for each of the bets you, that you take. So the standard is usually a six point teaser uh, books usually charge minus 120 for it. Uh, some, some books have been going up in price because there is an edge to these things. All right. So for example, if you bet an eight point underdog with a six point teaser, they become a 14 point underdog. If you bet an eight point favorite with a six point teaser, now they're just a two point favorite. So uh, the line is favorable for you, uh, Stuck. You always talk about, you know, tease uh, through the key numbers, the three, the four, the six, uh, the seven. Uh, so when you can do that, you should have an edge in these things. Uh, so every week we give our uh, favorite teasers. Stuck has some great content out at actionnetwork.com and, and the Action Network app about selecting your teasers each week uh, at actionnetwork.com and in the Action app. So be sure uh, you check that out. Stuck? Yeah, just go to Google and you can go to Action Network and search or go to Google and just search Stucky Teasers. You'll find the one of the many articles out there. A lot of stuff that was first written by uh, Stanford Wong and then called Wong Teasers. You want to ideally tease through three and seven. So you want to bring 
a favorite that's between seven and a half and eight and a half down under a field goal and an underdog, you know, between one and a half and two and a half up over uh, seven, crossing the key numbers of three and seven. You want to pay minus 120 or less in doing so. You pretty much have an edge if you can do that blindly. Uh, lower the total, the better your teaser is because the points are more valuable, among some other factors that you can check out in that article. But this week, no teasers. No teasers for me, but uh, there's no two pieces that actually fit. And I was peeking ahead the next week. Next week, we, we might have like, there could, it could be a big teaser week. There could be, I think, eight, nine or 10. I was looking at my projections. Eight, nine or 10 spreads that could be between like one and three. So I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. First, we have to get through some bad quarterbacks, but that should be interesting. But this week, no teasers for me. But if I had to place one, what I would do is I would throw New England. I would tease them from six. Now, you're not crossing seven. You're crossing a couple key numbers from six down to zero. I know it's the road division game for, you know, the first road division game for a rookie, but it's also a rookie in Zach Wilson for the Jets, who didn't look great last week going up against Bill Belichick, who's also coming off of a loss. Yeah, the Jets, not a team that I was interested in betting this week. Maybe they got to seven or seven plus, uh, and I'm sure everyone's betting the Patriots. Maybe it does. But, you know, the Jets, they also dealt with a lot of injuries on this roster that's already awful. So I would, I, I'm pretty confident in the Patriots winning. So if I had to do a teaser, I would tease them down. And then I would look at maybe teasing the Bengals up, in what should be a low-scoring game, points at a premium. It's the uh, I know it's the Andy Dalton revenge game, but it's just a really bad week for teasers. And the Bengals line has even come down. But if you can get the Bengals, you know, from two, one and a half over seven, and then tease them with the Patriots to win, that's my favorite teaser option this week. But it's not a great teaser week. Yeah, it. Uh, I kind of looked around and. Uh, struggled to kind of find my two favorites, but I think I settled on two and uh, one half is, is one of the ones you're going with. And that is the new England Patriots uh, teasing them from six to zero against this jets team. Listen, if the jets, one of your best players just went down and Mackay Becton uh, Patriots defense still looked good. You know, they held the dolphins to 17 points, probably could have played even better. And obviously they had some unfortunate turnovers on the other side. I don't think that happens against the jets. I think, but I also at the same time, I think, 16 points may be enough to beat the Jets for the second week in a row. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I, it's another total I got at 43 and a half, uh, down to 42 now. So hope uh, people got on that one. The, the Patriots on the road, they Belichick's master schemer, so no surprise that they're uh, 27 and 13 toward the under on the road um, since 2016. So love the under. Divisional unders also in week two are great. But you mentioned it. Belichick coming off a loss, 44 and 20, 69% against the spread. And then I'm going to go with kind of a, a similar situation in just a matchup that I really like with a high total. So I like teasing it down just to get it into a reasonable range here, because I think the Falcons are toast against the Bucks. I know it's a divisional game. I know it's one of those, another spot where, you know, team got blown out in week one, don't overreact, but I've been saying like this Falcons team, they're we like Arthur Smith. I love him, but this is not as talented as it used to be. I don't know if Matt Ryan is really adept at playing without Julio, um, especially in this kind of, you know, mid, the, the lines are middling on both sides, if not below average, which a lot of people would probably argue they are. So it's another similar matchup to Philly in, in the sense that 
you have the Falcons just getting outmanned in the trenches. I don't want any part of this 12, but like the Bucks, like the Patriots, two teams I uh, expect to win probably handily. Uh, so that is going to wrap our teaser segment uh, to recap stuck going with the Patriots from six to zero and the Bengals from two and a half to eight and a half. I'm going with the Patriots from six to zero, the Bucks from 12 to six. Uh, all right, let's get into our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. Look, man, I'm I'm hyped to talk to go to this segment because we had a we had a good start to the season. I think we had what was it like a four to one parlay uh, for the listeners with the Eagles plus one forty at Atlanta being your pick and the Texans plus one thirty at home against the Jags being my pick. So started off on a bang. How are we going to keep this going? Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Last week we had the Eagles. I'm Going back to the Eagles to throw them in our underdog money line parlay. We talked about it ad nauseum. Defense we think is underrated. Injuries San Fran are dealing with, I don't think are being properly accounted for. I think this is closer to a coin flip game. Uh, I think the Eagles will have a good shot here. So let's throw them back in. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm going with the Eagles plus 135. Now I'm curious to see, are you going to throw the Texans in uh, to go back to back? Oh. I hope not. I can't, man. I can't. Even though I think the number might be getting out of hand in that game, but like the one thing is, Cleveland was top three in offensive success rate against K- against KC, who's so well schemed that that's still you know if Baker like everyone's saying it, but it's it's true. You know, one Baker Mayfield mistake away, you know, one defensive mistake away for for, for Cleveland on the other side or two, it could have been a different game. So I I I, I wouldn't go there. We'll talk about that game. Uh, I, I I thought about going. With Jacksonville, I really did because uh, I just think the line is egregious. But Urban Meyer, I got it. I got it. I, I think you need to you need to get a win. The Jaguars went one and sixteen. I don't. I don't think the line is high enough yet for me to to go with you on the on the show. So I'm going to go with a team that I really think has a good chance of winning. It's not as sexy because uh, they're only at plus one ten at the Chicago Bears, but the Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, we saw the Bengals do it at home in week one. Uh, so I don't want to overreact. I think the Bengals still have issues. I think they're still the worst team in that division. The Cincinnati Bengals came roaring back. But I've been low on the Bears all offseason. I saw nothing in week one to make me change my mind. And everyone talks about the Andy Dalton revenge game. This is the Bengals revenge game. This is the Cincinnati revenge game. For all the shit Andy Dalton, all the mediocrity that Andy Dalton put him through over all these years, all the mediocrity and below averageness and early playoff exits and not making the playoffs and collapsing under pressure. I think the Bengals got the better quarterback in this game. Uh, and outside of that, I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. I don't like, I, I probably because I'm lower on the Bears than the market, but you compare these two teams top to bottom, roster to roster, I, I, I say it's about a push. And the Bengals have the better quarterback. So give me the Bengals plus 110. Uh, I think they beat the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Let's go back to back. Let's do it. Oh, thank you. That's exactly the response I'm looking for. All right. So that wraps it up for our week two Moneyline Underdog 
parlay. It's always nice to be one and zero on the season. Stuck going with the Eagles plus one thirty five. I'm going with the Bengals plus one ten. Now let's get into the best of the rest, which are the games that we did not hit on in any other segment. All right, let's start with a game we briefly touched on: Cleveland hosting Houston. Cleveland twelve and a half point favorites. The total is forty eight. Any thoughts on this one, Stuck? No, I mean, I make it right around here. Um, there's part of me thinks that Cleveland, they have a roster that's kind of built to, to blow out teams. They're bad teams, I should say, um, because they can run it and they run it so well that they can just keep piling on points against a really bad team and a really bad defense in Houston that could come crashing back down to earth here. But look, they have a lot of confidence here. They might just throw shit against them. Let's see some trick plays. They're already one and now Cleveland after that, Kansas City lost. Maybe they come out a tad flat. I make it around 13. Wouldn't be surprised if the Browns win by 30. Also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they struggle early and they win by 7 to 10. Uh, I make the line right around where it is. Pure pass for me, but Cleveland, if you want to go chalk, he's a safe, should be a safe survivor pick. Yeah. Houston actually played Cleveland 10-7 last year i think it was the wind game where nick chubb stepped out so it probably could have been 17 seven thank you i had plus four and a half oh yeah i, I think i had plus three and a half so it was even tighter for me but uh yeah that thanks nick chubb uh but yeah too big of a line i think to bet cleveland also dealing with some injuries i mean odell beckham's gonna miss a second straight week well we had jedrick wills look you know he's not practicing wednesday but it could be serious he could be out and then Treader and uh, who was it? Teller, I think, or also Miss Wednesday practice. That's probably not a big deal, but not ideal. You know, I could definitely see Cleveland kind of taking Houston a little light, although they are, they will be hungry to get that win that they gave away against KC. So yeah. um, I, I just, I just don't want to bet on Cleveland as a 12 and a half point favorite. It's just too much, but um, uh, I agree. Survivor pick, maybe a tease, but. I'd rather just wait and see on Houston since they did outperform expectations in week one and just uh, kind of stay away from this one. Uh, let's go to Buffalo at Miami. The Bills off that upset at home to Pittsburgh, now going on the road, still giving three and the hook here. I mean, stuck. Buffalo had a lot of success on offense against Miami, which – Maybe it's due to the fact that Buffalo can run out, you know, those four wide receiver sets and Miami has two good corners, but not four good corners. But something about this Buffalo offense tends to have Miami. But uh, you're still talking about a division, uh, divisional home dog getting three and a half in week two. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, I took Buffalo last week when these lines first popped, but it was at two and a half. I wouldn't take three and a half now. I wouldn't like three and a half, I should say. Um, if you can get under a field goal, I like it. I mean, again, Miami's turnover luck has to come to an end eventually. They won by one last week because of two fumbles, one which wasn't a fumble. It forced they had two fumbles on 25% of New England's possessions. Last year, they led the NFL with forcing turnovers on 16% of opponent possessions. Bills, really odd game last week. They were the better team statistically. They had a punt block, but they weren't themselves. And part of that was Feliciano and Dawkins at tackle were just really bad. And part of that's COVID. Are they not fit? Um, that remains to be seen. I think you see Zach Moss activated to help with fast blocking and protection um, this week. 
But the Bills went man 60% of the time. It was a zone team last year. They went four wide all last year. They went, they played 11 personnel the entire game. Um, you know, they were number one in the NFL in play action rate last year, like 40, 45%, 18% week one. Um, and it's very bizarre. Some of the things that I saw, now it's only one game and they were playing against a really good defensive line that was mauling them. Um, Miami can't do what Pittsburgh did. I think Buffalo bounces back here, but I can't, you can't, I can't lay over three and a half. Um, if you can get under three, I like the spot enough and uh, to play it. Miami still has issues on offense. They didn't really do much last week. They just basically scored. They scored off touchdowns. I got, they scored both times. I got into the red zone and they got some fortunate fumbles. One, which wasn't a fumble. Um, defense is going to be good, but um, you're right. I think Buffalo can spread them out and, uh, have some success on offense. And I think you get a good effort from a defense that I'm high on the defense that looked good last week uh, against Pittsburgh. So uh, I like the bills, but no, not laying over three numbers matter. What do you think of the total? Uh, Cause like the, you know, I've in the past when Josh Allen wasn't as good, I've targeted, you know, the unders when Buffalo goes on the road, they tend to play really good defense, be schemed. And you do have this, you know, week two divisional under trend. Um, both of these teams kind of underperformed on offense in week one. Any thoughts on, on the total here? I have no idea. I mean, I'm trying, I have the under, I played the under the Eagles under with you and I played the Raiders under small. I have this about right, but I'm also trying to be cautious with unders trying to get, you know, the home crowd impact. The, are there any penalties they're trying to emphasize fourth down aggressiveness, by the way, on coin flip decisions where, you know, could have went either way one week, but going for it doubled last week compared to last year so teams are getting even more aggressive for them so i'm trying to be cautious with totals i don't, I don't know i'm trying to get a feel for what buffalo is going to do the offensive line does scare me a bit so um i don't have a real good feel on the total here yeah it, it, it seemed high at first glance but then i thought back to buffalo having offensive success against miami last year but then i thought back to buffalo like essentially stepping on its own feet with its offensive game plan last week so yeah i'm probably off of this this game but and it's, it's weird because you mentioned they played 1-1 one, one personnel pretty much the whole game, which is three wide receivers, one back, one tight end. Gabriel Davis didn't get hurt until, what was it, like the second, third quarter. So it's, it's not like somebody got hurt and they're like, okay, you know, now we got to go to 1-1 one, one personnel because they also were using McKenzie as more of a running back because they deactivated Moss. So I don't, I don't know what that was about. If that was the game. Yeah, and they were playing – they played Sanders over him, Davis, in 11 almost the entire time yeah, exactly. So it, it, it didn't make like a ton of – that was surprising in itself because I think Davis is their second-best receiver. Beasley played in pretty much every snap, which was interesting. Uh, just some some new things that <laughs> didn't go exactly as Buffalo planned, so maybe we see them switch it back up to what worked last year. But, yeah, I think it's got to be a wait-and-see as a better. There's nothing that screams like edge uh, unless, like you said, Buffalo goes down under a field goal, which probably doesn't happen. Uh, okay. Next game, Chargers, minus three and a half at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Total 55 at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. I'm not going to lie. I liked Dallas. I, that's another team I thought about taking for my money line dog. And then as we're getting set to record this, you know, Demarcus Lawrence goes, you know, he's the word is he's going to be out indefinitely. And, you know, defensive players aren't going to affect the spread too, too much. But I look at, you know, Dallas and what they did in week one, 
And, you know, they were able to hang with Tampa, which is why, uh, you know, consider them against the Chargers here in this spot. But Demarcus Lawrence on defense got five pressures for the defense. No one else got more than three. So he had almost double pressures of anyone else. He had a, a, a team high uh, 91.4 defensive grade from pro football focus. No one else got higher than a 74. So, I mean, he was just massive on this defense. That's not a real talented defense, not a real great defense. And is being coordinated by Dan Quinn, who, I mean, after seeing him these last few years and then seeing what Raheem Morris was able to do and in, in his place, I, I think there's questions about him. So uh, now I'm just off of it. I mean, there could be a lot of points here in this game. It's maybe the only thing I can say, but what do you think? Yeah, if you got this total early, great. But, yeah, I mean, Gregory might be out too. So both defensive ends are out, and it's a yeah. Dallas defense. It's If it's going to be good, it's going to take some time. Basically, so you got to remember, they were right there with Tampa. They got three turnovers, and they were fluky. There were some fluky turnovers in that game. So, But you have to get – the Dallas offense looked spectacular. Dak looked fully healthy and phenomenal. Um and I really liked the game plan. The offensive play calling was great. They basically said, you're not going to run against Tampa. Let's, you can't. So let's just throw out the entire game. Love that. But now you lose Lyle Collins. And this was a huge problem last year with their tackles. I mean, he's appealing to suspension. He's not playing this week. You lose your starting right tackle. You lose Michael Gallup. Um, you know, a, a good, reliable clutch receiver. I love him in the clutch late in game. So you know, you're missing a lot of these pieces. You do have a couple extra days of prep and rest against a team that played, you know, West Coast team that played on the East Coast last week. But I made this right, you know, under a field goal. And then with all these injuries and adjustments, it's probably, it's going to be right over a field goal. Now the total is, has been priced, uh, has been bet up to where uh, I think it should be. This is a pass for me. Uh, should be an entertaining game but uh, I won't be involved from a betting perspective. Yeah. And I'd even be careful with like, like, I think, you know, Dak looked great um, considering what the lack of practice time and the fact that he had two separate injuries. Uh, and also considering that, you know, a lot of guys have been trying to come back from leg injuries and it hasn't gone as fast, but at the same time, uh, he still averaged 6.9 yards per attempt. I mean, he threw 58 times. So a lot of people are looking at that and yet another 400 yard game and saying in three touchdowns, Oh yeah, Dak played great. I mean, he played good, but he still were contained. And this just speaks to why I like teasing Tampa Bay against the Falcons. Uh, they still held this Cowboys offense. They threw for 400 yards, still under seven yards of attempt. So um, I, I, I like the Cowboys, but if they are not going to have any semblance of defense to where, they can force those kind of turnovers or make Justin Herbert throw the ball. I mean, fumble out of the end zone. Uh, now, yeah, it's just a pass for me. Um, all right. And then we got to talk about this one uh, a little bit. Uh, we'll wrap it up after this, but your Baltimore Ravens coming off a tough week one loss, hosting the Kansas city chiefs. I guess the way I want to, what I want to talk to you about the most like I felt like the market was always too high on the Ravens in these matchups. Now they were all close. Look, the first two were close games, right? And then the, the last one was a blowout, a uh, fourteen-point game. But I've always been impressed with what the Chiefs have been able to do defensively, despite not really having a great defense. Just schematically, I always felt like they played really well against Lamar. They they forced him to do things that he didn't want to do, and and they don't and they had success. Now. I don't like what I saw out of Casey Stevens in week one. 
I thought Lamar looked, even though it didn't always show up on the school stat sheet, I thought he looked probably the best he's ever had at, at, at parts of that Raiders game. And then at others, you know, he turned the ball over and that's, that's going to cost you. But so I'm curious to hear like how you think this Ravens offense matches up with, with Spags and, and, and the Chiefs D. Yeah. I mean, they've lost the last three years and they've allowed over 500 yards right around, right under 500 yards per game to, for the Chiefs to gain. And last, I, I agree. Lamar looked pretty good last week. The problem was the offensive line. I mean, mm-hmm. Villanueva moving to right tackle, bring him in. Ronnie Stanley coming off an injury. I mean, Ronnie Stanley's an all-pro. They ranked 75th and 79th in pass blocking out of 79 tackles uh, per PFF. Week one? They, oh, God. In week one. Oh. They were awful. You know, in 2020, they were, you know, Stanley was 91 passing grade. Villanueva 78. So that's one of the major problems. The other thing, I don't think that – Look, you have to throw out a lot of what we saw from the Raiders. And they were leading 17-10 before a fumble with, you know, 10 minutes to go in the fourth. But they had a lot of, you know, Peters went out with an injury. Gus Edwards, this is the week of the game. And you already lost all these backs. So the mesh point was a mess, the offensive line. So they And they went really simple in their play con. They didn't call many design Lamar runs. They weren't in the pistol a lot. I know that they were experimenting more with under-the-center runs in camp. But – I think that they were like, you know, they didn't have a lot of time to work together and, you know, they knew they had the chiefs coming up. So I think the offense will look a lot better this week, but it is a short week coming back from Vegas. It doesn't help um, against Andy Reed. Who's the, the most profitable coach against the spread on the road. And the chiefs defense is terrible. They should get Frank Clark back but Frank Clark's terrible. Uh, they should get uh, honey badger back, which is big who missed last week. I think they just held him out being cautious but what, what has happened in these games is the Ravens have fallen behind and the Ravens can just line up in this game and they can run it right down the Chiefs throat the problem is are they going to get behind and the reason they always get behind is they blitz they all out blitz that's what Wink Martindale does he did it against Carr but Carr loves the blitz, loves playing against the blitz just these all out cover zero blitzes everyone is coming leave the corners on islands Patrick Mahomes eats up blitzes with his eyes closed and for fun so you can't do that but but the ravens do you change your whole identity for this game i think yes but in the past they haven't shown that they will do that it's all, all up to them to make the adjustments here but you know i think the defense is still a top five unit it will be fine jimmy smith we'll see if he comes back that'll be big uh, specifically against covering kelsey they'll probably leave him on kelsey the entire game freeze up Humphrey but are they going to blitz all out blitz or are they going to say we're going to sit back which is what you need to do we've seen the Chargers do it you need to sit back let Mahomes work underneath make them drive the field and then get natural pressure the problem is the Ravens don't have good edge rush natural edge rush so you're kind of caught in this catch 22 of all right I I need all we do is we blitz all the time all out but you're playing against Mahomes and the Chiefs weapons he's going to eat you alive so then you say, all right, we're going to sit back, but then we have no one to get pressure. Mom just sits there and you can't guard the Chiefs forever. So it, what's what needs to happen here? This is the first time that the Ravens have played the Chiefs. And, you know, then two of the game, one of them went to overtime in Kansas City, but they've gotten behind in all of them. But this is the first time they've played Kansas City at home in front of fans. So, and they're going to be desperate. The fans are going to be raucous Sunday night. They need to come out and get a lead right away. They need to use that energy and they need to go up seven nothing, get a stop up ten nothing. And the Ravens are front runners, right? They they're not good at playing from behind. 
because then they have to throw and, you know, it's, they need to run the ball, control the clock. Then you can be aggressive on defense. Um, but the chiefs attack their attacking style and that's, that's, that's how they've had such success. So, uh, but then again, this, I had to play the Ravens. It's a terrible matchup from a defensive perspective, but this line is crazy The look. I mean, this is a pick minus one in the preseason, uh, you know, after adjusting for some of the injuries and some of the things I'm worried about the Ravens, I, you know, I make it two, two and a half. I, I got four early today. I had to take it. If the Chiefs get way behind, you, you can always take the Chiefs live. The Chiefs, Andy Reid's always been great against the spread. Mahomes has always been great against the spread. Well, they're, they're two and 10 against the spread in their, in their past 12 games. This is a crazy stat. They're 0 and 8 against the spread the last eight times they've been favored by more than a field goal. Yet, they've won all eight games. So I mean, they, they're going to win by a field goal. They come back and they win by a field goal because you can never can count the Chiefs out. But they're literally 0-8 against the spread as a favorite more than a field goal. And, you, you know, I think that everyone knows how good the Chiefs are. Everyone wants to bet on Mahomes. You're, you're, they're generally overvalued by a point or two. Um, you know, was the case in the Browns game until it got bet down right before kick. I had to take the four. And you have to hope is that the Ravens get a lead. They should be able to run the ball at will. But if they have to play from behind, we've already seen the pass protection is a little iffy. That's when Spags' defense will excel. So it's a fascinating chess match of who can get up. It, it has to be a pass for me um, just because I, I'm i worried about the Ravens in this spot. Um, I'm, I always tend to be higher on the Chiefs and lower on the Ravens in their matchups because I, I just think the Chiefs know how to scheme on defense against Lamar. Um, it doesn't make me feel any better that the Ravens were up 17-7 in, in a game in the fourth quarter and lost. Um, I know a lot of wonky things happen, but – doesn't make me feel any better. Uh, and then, like, the Chiefs, I would need – I wouldn't even want the two-and-a-half. Even though I think the Chiefs win this game, I wouldn't even want the two-and-a-half because I don't trust Butker to make extra points. So now you're talking about – I would need, like, a one-and-a-half to come in on the Chiefs, which is not happening. Um, but I'm just not there with the Ravens right now. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they get it together. But I, I, I also don't know – like where, like what, what is your general thought on like Lamar bounce bouncing back? Um, because he he had a tough game, uh, but the Ravens are just one and four uh, against the spread after a loss in the Lamar Jackson era, and Harbaugh overall against the spread after a loss. You would think because he's one of the better coaches in the league, you know, one of those good numbers after a loss like a Zimmer, or Belichick. He's just 20 and 27 against the spread, 43% uh, in his career. So any thoughts on just like how the Ravens have been to bounce back? I know you're more dialed in on them than pretty much any other team. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's much to that at all. I mean, they, they've had streaks where they've had a lot of injuries, which I think of um, that the market didn't properly yeah. account for specifically in the secondary. So they've had some rough stretches, um, but, uh, and Lamar sample size is just too small. Tidy. Yeah. Uh, but I think that he looked, you know, he looked great last week. The question is, can he get time? And uh, we'll see what the Ravens offense has cooked up. We'll see what Greg Roman had saved for the Chiefs. I'm, I assume there's going to be some some nuance and some wrinkles, but they can't fall too far behind. Otherwise, it's lights out again. Sammy Watkins, give him some intel, maybe. <laughs> Sammy Watkins revenge game. All right, now let's uh, close it out with our survivor pick of the week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. Uh, you're going with the Browns. I'm gonna go with the Packers. I'm gonna go with the Packers. Browns would be my second choice, but I looked at the Browns schedule and there's 
a couple of spots uh, where I would still take them down the road. Whereas the Packers, I mean, outside of, I think they played the Lions in week 17, given what we saw, I don't, you know, I mean, they're a top heavy team. You lose Adams, you lose Devontae, maybe you run away with the division again. Uh, I don't know if that week 17 is going to be in play. Uh, I think the Lions are even probably maybe even worse than the Texans, even though, you know, Lions put up a fight at the end. So going with the Packers to bounce back because I don't know if I'm going to want to play him again. Hopefully that works out uh, for both of us and we keep it going in week two. Would be surprised if we don't. Uh, that's going to do it for the pod. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Please do uh, subscribe, rate, review the show. We uh, really helps us out. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter, Stucks at Stucky2. I'm at Chris Raybon. And you can find us by those same handles in the Action Network app. Stucky's at S-T-U-K-E-Y. And the number two, I'm at C-H-R-I-S-R-A-Y-B-O-N. You can follow all of our picks. You can uh, track your own bets, all that good stuff in the Action Network app. That's going to do it for week two. Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Good luck this weekend. Let's get this money. Go humidity. (laughs) Ha ha!